podcast where we interview individuals just like you dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts and growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and find your new purpose from the loss and tragedy that you have experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm your host. I'm a growth evangelist, as well as, unfortunately, a fellow widower, having lost my beautiful bride of 19 years, Judy, some four, almost five years ago now. My guest today is John Thurman. John is a business performance expert, and he's currently serving as executive vice president and a board member of Insurance Office of America. He's also a coach with LifeWork Leadership Orlando, and they help business leaders grow as transformative leaders in the community as they integrate their faith and their work in the marketplace. He does this all as part of what John calls his purpose, his mission, the Ministry of Availability. We're here to talk about an important challenge that I know many of us widowers have faced through the grieving process, and that is our leverage of masks. John Thurman, welcome. Thanks, Tom. Hey, man, it's great to see you here uh, on screen. So oftentimes, you know, we have the chance to see each other at the coffee shop, so it's super to see you here on screen. Awesome. And some of my best people and best guests are indeed from my local coffee shop here in Winter Park. Uh, first, I want to make sure that we've got a clear definition and we've got clarity around what the heck it is that we're even talking about today. So, John, what is a mask? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot over the years, Tom, and, and really, I think succinctly, if you think about anything that we might put on that would keep us from being our authentic self, with the key word there being authentic. Now, it's important to note that Anyone that may have a figurative mask on doesn't suggest they're an inauthentic person. It just simply says, you know, life comes at us hard. It hits us with challenges, um, uh, people, situations, losses that cause us to have to lift the shield to basically oftentimes just to feel safe and, the, and to feel protected. So yeah. I think anything that might just, as I think about, we just put on in that figurative sense that blocks the world from seeing who we really are. Yeah. And I think, you know, as men, uh, as business people, and certainly those of us who are widowers going through the grieving process, uh, I know it's something that I had to do right after loss of my wife, Judy. Uh, I had to get right back to business. I was running a company. I was the founder of that company. It really relied on my persona, my involvement, my engagement. And if I didn't get right back in there, and put on my happy CEO leader face, uh, the company wasn't gonna be around and there were gonna be 20 some odd people that were looking for new jobs. And I was responsible for not just my own family's healing, but for the care and comfort and you know success of essentially 20 other families for these 20 other beautiful people that worked for me. And so that stoic mask had to go on right away. Um, why? You, do you think that, and I've talked to other brothers, other widower brothers, John, a lot of us had to do this in one fashion or another. Why do you think folks who are grieving leverage masks? Well, yeah, first of all, I want to I wanna make sure that I don't presume upon anyone's particular situation. But as I think about what I noted before, there's an innate characteristic within us to want to stay safe, right? And as I think about grief in particular, you know, it hits at the very heart and soul of who we are, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you think about it, 
to the degree that we've lost something, right, that's once captivated perhaps our hearts, we want to naturally protect ourselves against another loss of any kind, right? And, and again, we oftentimes put up this wall of protection that ultimately, again, is that figurative mask. It's a way to protect ourselves from the potential pain of what might be around the corner, something we've previously experienced, but we don't, uh, we want to shield ourselves from that. Yeah, I, I agree. The other mask, John, that I put on was one with family and friends. You know, I wanted to appear as, again, kind of this stoic mask was the one that I chose to wear. And maybe that was my safe zone. You know, maybe being a CEO and a leader for so long, that was what made me feel safe. But one of the things that it did was, in a lot of ways, uh, especially with my children, I think because I was so stoic, they were unaware a lot of times of just how much dad was hurting inside and and how I actually was grieving uh, quite a bit. But I kind of chose to put that, you know, very stoic mask on. Um, the good news was is that I kind of realized that, but it took way too long. And I think mm -hmm. that's a problem with masks. You know, I think all of us want to feel safe. And so we put on a mask for a little while. But I think the bigger problem, and you and I have talked about this, is when you keep it on too long. Well, a lot of things can happen there, you know, kind of two or three things kind of come to mind. One is kind of, as you know, right there, our, our hearts can atrophy over time. Right. And and we cease to be, we cease to feel the love of others. You know, they may be reaching out to us, but we may be numb to the to the actual uh, uh, intent or even the desire for it. Right. So it's a little bit like there's a, there's a great quote. Um, actually, Norman Cousins took a quote that Albert Schweitzer had, had put out early on and he added to it. But it says the tragedy of life is what dies inside of a man while he still lives. And Norman Cousins says the loss of genuine feeling. So we, we, the mask can so often when we keep it on, that numbness can keep us from feeling again. Right. And I think, secondly, you, you know, um, it's a situation where our individual worlds over time can get smaller and smaller and smaller. And we we begin to not live out the vitality of life as it's meant to be lived. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I think maybe worse yet, um, probably the biggest effect is when we have the mask on too long, we begin to believe that the mask represents who we really are yeah. right and and with that you know we find ourselves living in this kind of this never-ending uh identity crisis because we've put forth the false self when in reality we're not living inside of our true self and to your point what you were talking about a little bit earlier you know with your uh, with your family i look at my own life and i go back and while i while I, I experienced one of the losses I experienced was the fact that my father had actually, while he was still living, became uh, basically uh, not alive anymore, right? Figuratively speaking. I mean, he mm -hmm. that tragedy of life, what dies inside of a man while he's still, he was a dead man walking in a sense. That sounds really harsh to say, but the reality of it was he got knocked down to the mat. Life dealt him a curveball. He got knocked down to the mat, and as a result, 
it caused me in order to be safe from the person that he had become i had to kind of put on this false self and and was no longer living my true self if you will right because i needed to protect my heart i mean that's that's what i was doing and i don't think that you know when we talk about you you've got this persona this mask that you're portraying out there to your friends to your family to associates to the world and then you've got your real self and there's an incongruity between those two things and i think that's where depression occurs. That's where sadness occurs. And I think until you've got that congruity back, that you really can't find true joy and happiness in this world. If you've got a mask and then you've got yourself and you're never living up to the expectations of the mask and the mask isn't revealing your true self, I think therein lies most of the strife that we experience. Yeah, and one of the things I've realized now doing this ministry of availability for 23 years or so, which is really kind of a to help folks navigate life out their front window, help them see around the corner. So, so many, what I've learned in particular with men, so many men spend their life's energy on who they're not, living in mm-hmm. fear of being found out. And, mm-hmm. and that's like running in a race with no finish line. It's exhausting. So... Mm-hmm. Synonymously, in a sense, when you wear the mask, it's exhausting because there is no finish line to the false front, right? Because it's not you're, you're not living out of your true self and your true identity. Yeah. And I could remember, John, when I had those masks on front and center, um, what I would say all the time, and that's, I'm tired. Mm. I'm exhausted. Now, granted, a lot of it was, you know, going through just years of uh, the sickness and hospice being here at home and all of those things. But I think it was beyond that. I think it was internal, not external, mm-hmm. because of that incongruity that you just mentioned, that it is exhausting to keep that mask on and to keep up that facade. Uh, like you said, you could short term, I think sometimes we need to. You know, sometimes you need to walk in that room and put that happy face on. Sometimes you need to walk in the room and put that strong face on. But I think over time, if you do it too long, I think you just become exhausted from it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So we talk about having the mask on and some of the issues. And as you were talking, John, one of my favorite song quotes is um, from the song Desperado by the Eagles. And you're losing all your highs and lows Ain't it funny how the feeling goes away? I think there are many of us who'd love to get that feeling back, who'd love to not be so tired, who'd love to take the masks off, um, but they've been on so long. So, you know, it can be difficult to do that. So how do you suggest brothers go about losing the mask? Yeah, well, well, one thing just to note, too, you know, when you keep that mask on for so long, the, the challenge is, we can be so become so comfortable with it. We can kind of forget it's there. And and truth be told, somewhat of like what we've experienced with COVID, in a figurative sense, we kind of just accept it as our new our new way of living, our new normal mm-hmm. living, right? And I think uh, you know the idea of having a true friend, someone who will be real with you, someone who will uh, speak life into you, kind of an accountability partner is huge to help you uh, navigate your way through that. You know, um, when I think about one of the most uh, simplest and expeditious ways to kind of lose that mask 
it's this idea of inviting people into your story because the interesting mm-hmm. phenomenon about human nature is that as you invite people into your story, almost irrespective of, of your story, they will see something of themselves in your story. And mm-hmm. when that happens, you've made an emotional connection that transcends the mask level, right? And when you think about it, when you invite people in, it requires a measure of vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be vulnerable in order to get allow people in. And you ultimately find that there's real power in, in the transparency, right? You begin to see, as you come out from behind the mask, that over time we begin to see that this is the way we've been designed to be. This is who we desire to be. This is who we mm-hmm. long to be. So I really believe that inviting people in to the power and the, of your story as they see themselves, it will free you up to experience the power of the transparency and truth be told can be used to be an agent of healing in the lives of other people. Yeah. And John, I want to talk about story a little bit because the most amazing stories that we kind of get sucked into, even when there are superheroes involved, the best of those stories, what's the key? The superhero is vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. They have a weakness. They're, they're not, super in every way. And I think we try to go out there like we are superheroes and you don't connect with a superhero if they're flawless and they have that. What we connect with are the flaws in those superheroes, the humanity of them, not the superhero-ness. Yet we as men go out there trying to be superheroes all the time when the better story actually could be to let those vulnerabilities fly. you know, you can come off to be too vulnerable at times, right? And um, but I think showing some of that vulnerability will actually endear people to you. And I know that when I started to do it, when I started this ministry of growth through grief, my girls really didn't see me reflecting grief very often. Um, I was stoic, and I was too stoic. Yet when they saw this and, and they read some of the stories, and for the first time, I think they realized wow, dad was deep in this, you know, he was really feeling things. And I think that's, you know, there was a vulnerability there that they hadn't seen. They loved the strength I was portraying, but they didn't see that vulnerability. And so it may be actually an incomplete character. Yeah, and I get back, I I would contend that, you know, back to that notion of authenticity, right? I, I truly believe that authenticity is the most foreign language in the world that people are desperate to speak. And to hear, right? And mm-hmm. and the best way to help someone be authentic is to be real yourself, right? Yeah. So I think you know I think uh, Tom, there's a there's a passage in in you know in scripture for those that kind of read read scripture in Second Corinthians twelve, where where Paul is talking about this thorn in the flesh that he has, and he beseeches mm-hmm. the Lord three times to take it away. And and. And the Lord clearly says, I'm not going to, but my grace is sufficient for you. I'll perfect my strength in your weakness. And for the longest time, I read that passage and thought, I'm clinging to that. Why am I still struggling with some of this? And that's when I realized that I'd read only through 2 Corinthians 12, 9a. Then when I read 12, 9b, it said, I therefore, Paul, will boast all the more of my weakness so as to rest in your strength. 
So the, the, the principle behind that is if you want to unleash the power of the all-sufficient race, you have to lead with transparency. You have to invite people in because that's what neutralizes the lie, right? It, 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 that's what makes the ground even again, right? So yep. that's yeah. something to think and about. And a lot of times we try to, yeah, we try to cover up that thorn or we ask for relief from it rather than embracing it. And uh, one of the things that I love is Japanese kintsugi, mm -hmm. uh, which is golden joinery where you've got a, a you know, an ancient, um, Japanese warrior broke his famous uh, favorite teapot, sent it off to China to get fixed. It came back with staples. He said, completely unacceptable. This isn't going to work. And he had his craftsmen join the broken pieces together with gold. And what came out of it was stronger, better. And the best thing is, is a thing of absolute beauty uh, because it emphasized the breaks and the cracks and the imperfections. It didn't try to hide them with super glue or staples. And so I think that if we're able to embrace those unique uh, issues that we have, embrace the unique challenges and, you know, show off the cracks and the breaks and the imperfections and not just show them off, but feature them in a way mm -hmm. um, that isn't that a thing of much more beauty than what it was before. Yeah, I read uh, a great quote years ago that you'll, you would never hear this quote in the annals of uh, the armed services, but it simply goes like this. The irony of surrender is that it ends in victory, not defeat. So when we mm -hmm. surrender ourselves to to the vulnerabilities, to express our, our real needs and hurts and wants, that's the point of our greatest strength, right? That's where we find the victory. It's not defeat. The mask would tell you, Stay behind the, stay in front of the mask. Behind it, that mm -hmm. way you're not going to be defeated. But it's victorious, which is ultimately that all that idea of being able to live fully alive, right? Now, one of the things, John, is okay. Easier said than done. You and I are talking here, and we've been vulnerable with each other many, mm -hmm. many times over coffee. Um, there's a lot of brothers out there that are not eager to share. And, you know, we're not taught to share, particularly with other men, yet I think a lot of this healing has to occur with those men-to-men -men interaction, a men-to-mentor or a man-to-fellow brother. Um, talk about the importance of that, uh, of yeah. kind of sharing. Right, yeah. So I think, I think it's absolutely essential. You know, if you think about it, we're left into ourselves. We're prone to listen to, to the lies that have been written on our heart, you know, that that we're not good enough, that uh, we don't matter, that we're unlovable, that we're meant to live in isolation, mm -hmm. that, we're, that we'll always be alone, right? We'll never meet anyone new, you know, this kind of thing, right? So mm -hmm. I say it this way, I think we all need a refrigerator friend. And, and that's a friend for me. I had the blessing of had, having a, a, a refrigerator friend for 19 years, and he and I had spent over 7,000 hours together. And uh, this is a guy that will come to your house uh, doesn't knock, walks in, goes to the refrigerator, gets food, doesn't ask, sits down and says, hey, man, how you doing? And you're going, I'm doing great. How about you? But it's someone that you're so comfortable with, this idea that it's a place to be not well-known, but known well. And to your point, Tom, this idea of being fully known, right? You know, there's no mm -hmm. safer place to be 
than to be fully known. There's no need to hide. There's no need to run. Uh, you know, there's no secrets. We get to plumb the depths of our transparency. We get to simply rest and just simply be loved, right? And the challenge yeah. is finding folks like that. But I will contend that as we are vulnerable, as we speak with a measure of authenticity, as we invite people in our story, that will help us accelerate to move beyond the surface level of conversation and into substantive things that matter, in particular things of a healing nature. Yeah, and your quote is, to whom do you go to become fully known? I love that. I think that's a challenging question that we all need to ask ourselves. And if we don't have that person, I know for me, unfortunately, I lost that person. He was my mentor and I lost him 10 years ago before I lost my dad, before I lost my bride, before I lost a business partner, my brother. I mean, there's been a lot of loss yeah. since then. And um, I go out to Boulder uh, where he lived and I just came back from there, John. I think you know that on this trip. And I, I do pilgrimages back there to kind of connect with at least his ghost and his, his late wife um, or his his wife uh, who's still alive. And um, it helps me because I still feel like his presence is there and I feel like I'm known mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. if that yeah, makes absolutely. sense. And then, um, and then one of the things I did, and I didn't have this right away when my wife passed, but... I happened to be introduced to one widower, which then became another widower, which then became another. And we have a little group and it took us a while to get comfortable with each other. I mean, we would share some things, but we kept, we kept at it. Mm -hmm. We grabbed coffee together. We went out to a, a restaurant and, and ate a few times. And I think this is kind of our fifth meeting uh, formally with the, the bigger group. And in the beginning, it was we talk a lot about the stories of our late wives. We we'd share a little bit, but this last meeting, it was all about sharing some of the deepest challenges that we faced through the through the process. Um, but it took that long to kind of feel comfortable and begin trusting each other. I think because as brothers, we just have that barrier up. Sure. Men weren't taught to hug other men. <laughs> we weren't taught to talk to them. I don't know how your dad was. My dad was an athlete, a great man, um, but he wasn't exactly really good at sharing feelings. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I think that's why I talk about this idea of plumbing the depths of transparency, right? And 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 you you are you are weaving the fabric of life together as you plumb those depths and you get stronger together. Right. And, and that's, mm -hmm. that's the key, you know? Yeah. And I do think that we need that kind of support. I know I didn't have it. I had great friends who were looking out for me, but that intimate sharing where someone who's gone through a similar experience, I do think that that's really important to have through this or a mentor who's been with you long enough and seen enough of you that you can go to as well is also important. And if you don't have it, um, what do you suggest, John? I mean, how do you go about kind of getting that mentorship going or getting that friend to whom you can go to become fully? Yeah, known? I would say, I would say that there's, is an interesting dynamic because there's as many men desiring that as you desire it. But someone has mm -hmm. to take the initiative, right? 
Someone has to take yeah, the initiative. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, I say lean in, engage, right? You know, discover the revelation of God's will each and every day by faithfully engaging the day. Sit down with a person that you see with an open seat and just say, hey, can we visit? If you see someone, reach out and reach into them. You never know, right? You, you just never mm-hmm. know. When I, go, when I look back at my refrigerator friend and I think about what is it that that intimacy of friendship brought to me, it was this circular pattern of a desire to be pursued, a desire to be understood, a desire to be fully mm-hmm. known. And because you know me fully, a desire to not be judged. And because you don't judge me, you love me. And because you love me, you pursue mm-hmm. me. And then you just understand me and you allow me to be fully known. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful picture of a friendship, right? But yeah. someone has yeah. to take the initiative. It's just what it requires. Yeah. Yeah. And and in that, what I also found is take the initiative to get together. And then, you know, you've got to take that mask off first. A lot of times, you know, if you want to be fully known and you want to fully know the other person as well, you do have to be vulnerable. And that, too, can be difficult. Uh, John, what's the one thing when it comes to masks and what we talked about today? What's the one thing you'd like to leave our widowers, our growth warriors with today? So here's a statement, right? And this this statement really park on and think about. It's simply this. If you lift life behind a mask, only the mask is getting loved. Mm-hmm. If you live life behind the mask, only the mask is getting loved. So many people, if not most people, are only knowing love at the mask level. And by extension, they only know how to give it at the mask level. But God mm-hmm. made us and intended us to be relational creatures, right? He designed us to be an authentic yeah. relationship with one another. He's called us to love others, but we can't give away what we don't have. So as Mm -hmm. we come out from behind the mask, as we free ourselves up to receive the love from others in an authentic way, we are then given that opportunity to extend that love to others. But Mm -hmm. it takes an action on our part to remove the mask and allow ourselves to be loved below the surface. Totally love that, John. I think you summed it up so perfectly. If we're not willing to take off that mask, only the mask gets loved, and it's shallow. It's a shallow love, and it doesn't go deep. It doesn't really touch the true us. And again, there is that incongruity, right? And the challenge is, by extension, if you think about it, to the degree you have generations of people that have only been loved at the surface, and all they extend to others, the generations cascade. And you have this this Mm -hmm. generational impact of surface love, right? And so, you know, kind of plant the flag and set the course and be the guy to take the guy or gal to take the mask off and, uh, you know, lean in. Yeah, and we didn't talk about this, but I'm sure, you know, as we live in a very social network-oriented world, 
it seems like masks are all that we put up there, right? The persona of what we are living our best life on Instagram, living our best life on Facebook, right? So you almost have to work a little bit harder to take that off or maybe don't participate in those mask-oriented kind of fronts that are put up there so you can be more authentic. And some of it, too, is is to challenge you know yourself to engage conversation rather than asking someone, hey, what do you do? The natural question people ask when they mm-hmm. run ideas. Ask them, hey, what do you really do? Right? You know, uh, yeah. take a, take a yeah. little bit of a risk there and, and see if you can get below the surface uh, sooner because uh, it's amazing how quickly you, you can get there if you just get that mask off. Mm-hmm. Love it. John, how can people in the Growth Through Grief community find you online? Well, the best way is likely to go to my LinkedIn page, and uh, it's pretty simplistic, but it's J-O-N-T-H-U-R-M-A-N, and uh, can always call into uh, IOA, Insurance Office of America, and find me there. But uh, LinkedIn is most likely the easiest way to shoot a message to me. Yeah, connect with John. I'm sure he'd love to hear how you leveraged the advice that he gave today, uh, what your experience is with it. I know I would love to hear that as well if anyone has been touched by what John had to say. Uh, Pretty powerful stuff and tools, John, that I hope uh, the listeners will take to heart. You know, if you want to be loved truly, deeply, take off the mask. If you want to be healed and you want to be happy and joyful again, I think, you know, the mask was put on to protect you. Get it. Totally get it through the grieving process. But eventually it's got to come off. And I know from my personal standpoint, I didn't really start my healing until I was able to take that mask off and be completely vulnerable. And, uh, John, thank you for helping me to do that. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to the Growth Through Grief podcast. If you like what you heard, please hit like. Be sure to subscribe. Stay up to date on the latest podcasts. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing.